Welcome to Always Abounding. This podcast will encourage you as a believer to continue on and always abound in the work of the Lord. Now your host, Keith Stensis. Welcome once again to our podcast, Always Abounding. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I'm so grateful, I'm so glad that uh, the Bible says that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Sometimes when you're in the ministry, uh, it can be a thankless ministry. It can be a ministry that does not receive much appreciation, uh, not many pats on the back, not many awards for a job well done. But I'm so grateful that the Bible says that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Every work of labor, of love that we do for the Lord, uh, the Lord is going to remember that. And, and I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful uh, that God is on my side. And I'm so grateful and thankful that if I will abound in His work, uh, then my labor will not be a vain in the Lord. Now, he's not talking about abounding in carnality, not talking about abounding in money, uh, not talking about abounding in your career, uh, but abounding in the work of the Lord. And when we are abounding in the work of the Lord, then our labor will not be in vain. And uh, what a blessing, what an encouragement that that is. Well, this is your host, Brother Keith Stensis. And uh, I would say that I am uh, from Uganda, East Africa. And normally that is where I do my podcast from. Uh, but as you know, uh, if you've been listening to our podcast, we've had to take a short trip uh, to the United States uh, for my wife's eye surgery. And uh, so I am actually doing this podcast from uh, Austin, Texas, where our home church is, and uh, grateful to be here. And even though I did not desire uh, necessarily to come back for a, a surgery for my wife. Uh, I am so glad that I was able to come back and just spend a few weeks uh, here in our home church and seeing my pastor again and seeing the members of Capital City Baptist Church. And uh, I've just, just in the messages that I have heard uh, since I've been back in our home church, I've been encouraged and challenged. And uh, I just, I, and I've told you this before uh, on previous podcasts that if there is one regret uh, that I have as a missionary. And uh, uh, one thing that I miss, I, I guess I should say, not really regret, but one thing that I really miss is not being able to be under the consistent preaching of my pastor, the consistent preaching of uh, being able to go to conferences and uh, and hearing men of God preach the Word of God and challenge us. And, and that is why I believe it is very essential, uh, especially for missionaries, uh, to keep yourself encouraged in the Word of God. Uh, because if you don't find some way, whether it's through sermon audio or whether it's through listening to messages on YouTube or whatever it is, we live, we live in 2022 right now. And, and so there's really no excuse for us right now to not be able to have access to the, some of this. And I realize that there are some missionaries that are 
in areas where there may not be uh, a very good internet uh, system. Uh, but uh, we live in a day and age today where we have uh, great access to preaching and uh, we really, really need that. But I said all that to say this, it has been just a joy uh, to be able to be back here. We've been back here now for about one week and uh, we still have about two weeks uh, to go before we go back to Uganda. And uh, so I am uh, I'm privileged, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to be here. Uh, the, all the reports that I have from Pastor Paul Serenjoji, uh, they're in Uganda and uh, the other men that we're working with, uh, things are going very well. I got some reports from Pastor Kasaja Frederick up there in the northeastern part of Uganda. Things are going well up there. People are getting saved. Uh, people are being added to the church. And so I am grateful for those reports. Thank you so much for those of you that have been praying for my wife. As you know, um, when she came back previously, she came back uh, to the States to see our granddaughter and a while back here she discovered that she had a detached retina and uh, so she had to stay in the states uh, a lot longer to have that surgery done to reattach that retina and uh, and so i i'm not a doctor i don't know all the ins and outs of this stuff but uh, they had to put a, a special oil in her eye uh, to keep the pressure on what was fixed and uh, but uh, that oil had to be taken out and the normal eye fluid had to be put back in and uh, so we had to come back to the states to be able to do that and I, I praise the Lord uh, through all of these things God has just provided in a miraculous way uh, I never thought uh, you know when when my wife said that we would have to come back uh, for this surgery. Uh, honestly, I didn't know how, how are we going to do that. And uh, But several churches, we had one church that helped us out uh, with the airplane tickets, and we had several other churches that helped us out with just substantial gifts. And they, I don't even think that they knew uh, that this need was going to be there, but God knew, and uh, God had all that set up just at the right time to be able to come back and and be able to enjoy uh, this time back here with our home church, be able to get my wife back into the doctor. And uh, just today, we left the doctor for, uh, after her second post-operation uh, uh, checkup, and the doctor said everything is looking well. And uh, because of the fact of the eye surgery, they had to put a little bit of gas in the eye, uh, and that I guess that gas will dissipate over a small period of time. Uh, but while that gas is in there, she's not able to fly. So uh, we've got about a couple more weeks to stay in the States and a couple more checkups as well to make sure everything is okay there. So thank you. Thank you so much uh, for those of you that have been praying. Uh, I've even gotten emails today. I've gotten text messages from people uh, just letting us know that they're praying for us and uh, letting us know they're concerned about the situation. And uh, all of those churches and individuals that helped out uh, in a financial way, uh, what a blessing. Thank God for you. And, uh, and I know that God is going to bless you for your generosity, bless you for your giving. And uh, I'm just, I tell you, I'm just overwhelmed at the love of God's people. I'm overwhelmed at the love of, of people that just, they see a need and they want to help out. And uh, what a challenge to me uh, as well to, to look for needs in other people and uh, do what I can to try to be a help and a blessing to them. Uh, why were we here? 
uh, in uh, a capital city. We just had our couples retreat, and so uh, all the couples in the church uh, that uh, were able to uh, traveled down to San Antonio, Texas, and uh, while down there we had a couples retreat, and again, just a great time of fellowship, something that we would not uh, have normally been able to do. And, uh, but I'm so thankful that we're able to be a part of that and just renew some fellowship with church members here at Capital City, renew some, uh, just having some good times, just some good times of fellowship, making good memories. And uh, once again, I'm so grateful. I'm not grateful for my wife having to have surgery, but I'm grateful that through it all, uh, God makes something that seems to be bad and, and seems to, you know, you ask yourself why it happens, but yet through it all, we see God's grace, we see God's provision, and, uh, and at the same time, God has blessed us and we've had the opportunity to be blessed and encouraged while we are here. So pray for us in these next couple of weeks. We're going to be trying to get, um, <clears throat> excuse me, some supplies uh, that we need to take back with us to Uganda and uh, some different things like that. We're taking back some, uh, we've had a church in uh, Indiana that is helping us with a container of scripture. And so we're going to be taking back some track folders that'll be able to fold tracks in a faster way. And uh, so just different uh, supplies that we've got to take back. And uh, so pray in the next couple of weeks uh, as we try to get that stuff together and then get ready to fly back to Uganda and continue the work there that God has called us to do. Well, the last few podcasts that I've done have, uh, have been interviews, but if you've been listening uh, to the podcast for very long, you know that we started uh, briefly uh, looking at the book of James. And uh, just recently in our Bible Institute, uh, there in Uganda, we taught verse by verse through the book of James. And James is not known as a doctrinal book per se, uh, though there is a lot of doctrine in it. Uh, but James is known more as a, uh, a book for practical Christian living, helping us to understand uh, just the ins and outs of Christianity and how we're to live the Christian life in a very practical way. And uh, so if you remember a few podcasts ago, we started uh, in James chapter 1 and we began looking at the two different types of temptation uh, that you and I as believers are going to face. And remember, the Bible says in the book of James chapter 1 that he has written the book of James to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And we understand that they were scattered abroad because of the persecution. We went back to the book of Acts and we saw how the early church had been scattered abroad because of this persecution. And I believe personally that God used that persecution to stir them up and get them out where they're supposed to be preaching the gospel to every creature, getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. And so it's no surprise that in the first part of the book of James, that uh, James would talk about trials, and and I'm not I'm not going to reteach that podcast, but uh, James talks about the benefits of the trials and why God allows trials to exist and and the purpose for those trials, and and then he ended that in verse number twelve, uh, reminding us that those that endure those temptations, those that endure those trials, will receive a crown of life 
which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, today we're going to look at the next section here in James chapter 1. And uh, in this second section, we're going to be looking at the, uh, the second definition of temptation. And uh, remember, temptation has a twofold definition. You need to look at the context of the passage of Scripture to find out what is he talking about. And there's no doubt in my mind, there's no doubt for the even the casual Bible student that the first uh, 12 verses of chapter number 1 are dealing with trials and tribulations and suffering and persecution. That is the temptation that he's talking about. But not only are we as believers going to be enduring that type of temptation, but there is another temptation that is out there. And this is where we would talk about a negative type of temptation, a temptation that induces or seduces uh, someone to do evil or entices somebody to do wrong. And so let's look here in James chapter 1 and verse number 13. James chapter 1 and verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Now, unfortunately, in life, uh, we, again, we all travel around with what we call the flesh. And <clears throat> the flesh is that part of our nature that continues to desire that which it desired before we got saved. Remember, our flesh, when we got saved, did not get saved. Our flesh stayed the same. It still has the same desires. It still has the same lust. It still has the same compulsions. And uh, the difference is, is when we got saved, the Bible says our spirit was made alive, our soul was saved, and now our soul has a choice to make each and every day of our life. Do we follow the Spirit? Do we, are we led of the Spirit or do we follow after the flesh? Now, if you hold your place here and turn back quickly to a very familiar verse in Galatians and chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5, the Bible says in verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about today is this lust. Now, our theme of our podcast is always abounding. Uh, but one thing you have to understand, if we are going to always abound, if we're always going to be going forward, we cannot ignore, uh, we cannot ignore the fact of the enemy. We cannot ignore our flesh. We cannot just say, well, I'm just going to abound in the work of the Lord and not expect opposition from our flesh. Because our flesh is going to fight us every day of our life. Our flesh is going to fight us and, and try to draw us back to that carnal mentality, that carnal nature, uh, so that we are not living for the Spirit of God and walking in the Spirit of God. Now, if I am going to always abound in the work of the Lord, then it is going to take someone who is Spirit-filled. It's going to take someone who is Spirit-led and someone who is yielded to the Word of God and 
what the Word of God is teaching and then allowing the Spirit of God to teach us what we need to know that we may live a life that is always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, Satan understands and Satan knows, he understands eternal security. And uh, it's sad that there are so many people in our world today uh, that do not understand eternal security, and yet Satan is very aware of eternal security. He understands that he cannot get us, he cannot take us to hell. Once we're saved, we're always saved, we become a child of God, we are out of his grasp. But here's what Satan wants to do. Satan is going to do everything he can to incapacitate you for the work of God. He's going to do everything he can to make you a useless believer. Now, he knows he cannot get your soul. He knows he cannot take you to hell. He knows that as far as getting you on his side, he has lost that. But, but he is not finished with you. He's not finished with me. He wants to do everything he can to limit us in our work for God so that we are not always abounding in the work of the Lord, so that we are not out there preaching the gospel, so that we are not out there doing everything we can to live a life that represents Christ and live a life that is becoming of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, so what Paul is, or I'm not not Paul, but what James is trying to help us understand here, he's trying to help us to understand why it is that we sin. Why it is that we sin. And I, I, I hear that question so many times uh, working in Uganda, dealing with a lot of people that come from backgrounds uh, that believe that you can lose your salvation. And, uh, and so the question always comes up, why do we sin? Why do we sin? Why do we sin? And the answer is found in this passage of scripture. So look at verse number 13. He says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, there's some interesting things to notice here. First of all, uh, there are people, James is addressing people thinking that God tempts you in a way that entices you to do evil. Now, do not misunderstand this and do not cause these two definitions of temptation to confuse you. Yes, God may put testing in our life because testing tries us and testing makes us better. And so God is going to do everything he can to conform us into his image. And if it means refining us through that refiner's fire, he's going to do that. But God is never going to come to a place where he says, all right, I'm going to see what this man is going to do. And so therefore, I am going to put evil in front of him just to see if he's going to sin. And that is what was being taught here to these people. And so James is trying to correct this and make them to understand very carefully, do not let anyone tell you that when they're tempted, when they are enticed to do evil, that it is God doing it. Now, notice what it says here. And he goes and explains this. He says, it's much further than God not being able to tempt somebody. Notice it says, he goes on, he says, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Eve, God, listen, God is so holy. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. God is so holy that he cannot even be associated with sin. He is absolute 100% 
holiness. Sin cannot be in his presence. He cannot stand sin. He cannot be around sin. And so not only is he not going to tempt you with evil, but he cannot be tempted with evil. There is nothing about God's nature that desires sin. There's nothing about God's nature that desires wrong. He is absolute, perfect in every way, perfect in holiness, perfect in purity, perfect in every facet of his character. And so he says, because of that, God who is perfect in character, God who is perfect in purity, God who is perfect in holiness, he is not going to be capable of tempting with sin because sin cannot be associated with him. Sin has no part with him. And so it is not that he just cannot tempt you, it is impossible, it is not something that is even fathomable in the realm of the character of the holiness of God for God to be able to tempt you with anything. Now, so why do we sin there? It, it is not God who is enticing us to sin. It is not God who is trying to get us to sin. So he goes into this uh, beautiful description here of of what it means or the progress or the uh, the steps that, that we let happen in our life when we sin. Now, watch this. Verse number 14. He says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, watch this. I saw this illustration. It was a great illustration. I hope I can explain it to you uh, just by way of this audio presentation. On one side, you have the uh, the father. Uh, the, the, uh, in the, the Bible says, before we were saved, that our the devil was the father of lies. He was the uh, father of sin. He is the father of temptation. He is going to do everything within his ability to try to tempt you to do wrong. Now, being tempted to do wrong is not a sin. Jesus Christ himself was tempted. We see that in the Gospels. Jesus was tempted, the Bible says, in all points, like as you and I are tempted, yet without sin. So the very practice or the very concept of being tempted in and of itself is not wrong. Everywhere you go, even Adam and Eve, in a perfect environment, in a place where there was no sin, in a place where there was perfection, in a place where there was no pure pressure, in a perfect environment, there was temptation there. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve fell to that temptation. Now, so there's nothing wrong with being tempted, but you must understand the devil knows he cannot get a hold of your soul. The devil knows he cannot ever, there's no hope for him to ever take you to hell. But the devil also knows that you have the capacity, you have the ability to win people to Christ. You have the ability and the capacity to encourage other believers in the Lord. And so what the devil tries to do is he tries to incapacitate you so that you are not able to do the work of God. You're not able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so though you are going to heaven for all practical purposes while you're on this earth, you are worthless to Christianity. You're worthless to the cause of Christ. Now, so what the devil tries to do is he is going to do everything he can to put temptation in your way. Now, 
On our side, we have what is called lust. And that lust comes from the old man. That old man ha still has carnal desires. That old man still has a, a desire to gratify the carnal appetites that we have. Now, so here's what happens. He says, he says you have temptation on one side. If you, if you could... If, if, if you could do this for me while I'm talking, if you would look at one of your hand, let's say your left hand, and you would call that left hand temptation. And on the right hand, uh, you say, this is my lust. All right. So you have temptation and you have lust. Now, as long as those two are separate, as long as those two do not come together, you and I have the ability to walk in the Spirit and not sin. Is it possible for you and I to live a life with no sin? In, in, in theory, it is possible because the Bible says, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, Practically, that's a very difficult thing to do because practically every day we are living in a flesh that wants its desires to be gratified. We're living in a flesh that has eyes that see things that it wants. We're living in a flesh that wants to listen to things that we shouldn't listen to. And so day by day by day, we are constantly in a situation where we are falling into sin. Now, but why does that happen? What happens is, is when you take the temptation of Satan on the left hand and you take the lust of our old man, the lust of our human nature on the right hand, and when you bring them together, I, I like what uh, commentator John Phillips described it as. He described it as Satan is the father, lust is the mother, and when they come together, notice what it says in verse number 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Now, there is always in me, because I have a sinful nature, there is always in me that capability of lusting. There's that capability, that desire to fill my carnal nature. But as long as I walk in the Spirit, I can keep that in check. That's why Paul says, I die daily. That's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Uh, Paul makes it, uh, makes it very clear, mortify the, the members of your body. Put them to death. Why? Paul says, if you're going to live for God, if you're going to abound in the work of the Lord, then it is very important for you to crucify the flesh, mortify the deeds of the flesh, make sure all of that is destroyed so that you can walk in the Spirit. But understand this. All the time you're walking in the Spirit, there is still that old nature there. That's why, that's why Paul said, O oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Why? Because Paul says, hey, the, th the times that I want to do good, I don't do good. And the times that I don't want to do good, I, 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 I do good. And it just, he said, it just a continual cycle that, that just never seems to end. And, and, and Paul says, I just feel like I'm a wretched man. Why? Because at all times, there is that capability of you and I taking the lust of our flesh and uniting it with the temptation of Satan. And thus, when those are conceived, it produces sin.
Now, I don't have to sin. I don't have to sin. And the way, listen, uh, you, you, you tell young people today, keep yourself pure. Now, you keep a young person, you keep a young woman, and you keep a young man, and, and they desire to, 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 to get married, and you tell them, stay pure, stay separate, wait until marriage before you come together. As long as they stay separate, there is not even the remote possibility of conceiving a child. You and I understand that. And in the same way, there is no remote possibility of you and I sinning as long as we keep our lust separate from the temptation of Satan. But when we yield to temptation, when we yield to that temptation, we allow our lust to come together with the temptation of Satan, then the Bible says when those two come together, sin is conceived. Sin is conceived. Now, my friend, listen to me very carefully. I, within my life, I have every desire to serve God. I have every desire. I mean, as I sit here before you today, uh, there is within me the strongest desire to serve God. There's the strongest desire to be obedient to God. There's the strongest desire to read His Word. I have a strong desire to be faithful to church. Within me, there is a strong desire to do that. But you have to understand, listen to me very carefully. Just because there's a strong desire for spiritual things does not negate the fact that on the old nature, there is still a strong desire to sin. And you and I have got to crucify the flesh. We have got to mortify the deeds of the flesh. We must die daily. We must consciously every day. And, and I try to do this when I, when I pray, when I, when I t have my time with the Lord each day, I say, God, help me today to die to my flesh. Help me today to crucify my flesh. Help me today, Lord, that you may help me to walk in the spirit. Not that I am ignoring that the flesh is there and not that I'm ignoring the, the possibilities that are there. Uh, because I know they're there and that's why I must daily crucify them. I must daily put them to death. But God, if I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord, if I'm going to stay faithful to you, if I'm going to please you, then I must do everything I can within the help and the strength of the grace of God to keep the temptation and to keep my lust from coming together and producing sin and producing sin. I think of yesterday in my life of different times that I admit that I allowed temptation to meet with my lust and I produce sin. And it grieves my heart and, and it ought to grieve your heart when it happens. And, 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 and because of our sin nature and because of that, that, that constant oppression of our flesh, it happens more often than not. But I'm just saying today, ladies and gentlemen, if we are going to always abound in the work of the Lord, we are going to have to keep our flesh in check. We are going to have to keep our lust in check. And remember, lust is just simply a carnal desire, a desire to gratify the flesh. It has nothing to do with pleasing the Spirit of God. And so we have to go into life 
understanding, yes, I want to please God, and yes, I want to read my Bible, and yes, I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we must also consciously, just as the apostles did, he says, I die daily. That was something he consciously had to do. He had to consciously recognize every day of his life that he had a flesh and that flesh had a desire to fulfill the desires of the flesh. And when you take your flesh and the lust of your flesh and you unite it with the temptation that Satan brings on a daily basis, it will produce sin. It will produce sin. He says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Now watch this. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The wages of sin is death. We understand that sin brings death, and so you have, the, you have the conception of sin when temptation and lust come together, and it conceives sin, and sin can produce nothing but death. And let me tell you something, I, I, I'm not just talking about a physical death. I'm not saying, and, and, and it very likely could, and it has done this, sin can lead a person to physical death. But I believe there's much more than a physical death that sin can, can do. It, it can bring the death of a marriage. It can bring the death of a relation with mother and father and, and, and children. It can bring the death of a testimony. It can bring the death of a ministry. It can bring the death of a church. It can bring the death of the a testimony of the church. Sin destroys. Oh, when the, when the temptation is there, Satan makes it, uh, boy, he wants to make it look good and he wants to make it look gratifying. And, and when, the, when we allow the lust of our flesh to come up and, and the lust of our flesh sees the temptation and sees how beautiful the temptation is and sees the, the fun and the pleasure and, and all that is involved with the pleasure of sin. And, and, and when the temptation is there and we allow our lust when we allow our flesh to be unchecked and they come together and produce sin, I'm telling you today, something will be destroyed. The Bible says it produces death. How many times does the Bible talk about our conscience? That that which is within us that God has put within every man that, that, uh, that subconsciously tells us what is right and wrong. And yet the Bible says that the, the more you sin and the more you're involved in sin and the more you allow sin to go unchecked, that that, that conscience that we have can be seared. You can destroy your conscience. How many marriages have been destroyed because of sin? How many... How, how many uh, uh, reputations have been destroyed because of sin? He says, my friends, when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. It brings forth death. There's nothing good that can come from sin. There's nothing good that can come from sin. And that's why he ends this section in verse number 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't blame your sin on God. And, and let me also say this, don't blame your sin on Satan. Because listen, yes, Satan tempts, 
But listen to me very carefully. Satan makes no one sin. Because as long as the temptation is there, there's no sin with temptation. Jesus Christ was tempted in all points. Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan himself. And yet no sin was there. So as long as temptation is not able to conceive with our lust, then there won't be any sin. And so my friend, don't, don't make this mistake of blaming your sin and saying, well, you know, my sin is because of Satan or my sin is because God allowed this to happen to me or my sin is because so-and-so uh, brought me into this situation. My friend, you listen to me today, you sin and I sin because of our own lust. It is our own lust. We live in a world today that, uh, and, and, and the human nature, it's, it's, it's actually ironic because the human nature really has not changed from the very beginning of Adam and Eve. And it seems like in the last few years, this has just been more and more predominant in the culture in which we live in. But you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and when God confronted them with their sin, what happened? You had, the again, the temptation of Satan. You had the lust. You had, uh, when the Bible says, when Eve saw that uh, these things could happen, she allowed that lust, she allowed that uh, temptation to come together and produce sin. And then what was the first thing they did? They began blaming each other. Well, it wasn't my fault, it was the woman. Well, it wasn't my fault, it was Satan. And they're blaming everybody else, and, and that same concept has not changed. And, and I believe it's gotten even worse today in this culture we live in where no one takes responsibility for anything. It's always somebody else's fault. You, you, why, did you, why did you break in the store and steal? Well, it was the way my parents raised me. Well, why, why are you out here drinking? Well, because my dad was an alcoholic. Well, well, why, why did you get yourself pregnant before you got married? Well, that's just the culture within which I live. No, it, it, we've got to stop blaming everyone else for why we do what we do. We've got to take some responsibility. And that's what he's saying. He says, brethren, don't err about this. Don't make a mistake about this. You sin because you choose to sin. You sin because you chose to allow your lust to conceive with the temptation of Satan and it produced sin. And sin has destroyed your life. You know, I, I wish, as I sit here today talking to you, I, I, I wish I could say how wonderful of a man I am. I, I, I would be absolutely uh, embarrassed. I would, I, I, I would be absolutely appalled if people could read what has gone through my mind through the years or read what was gone through my heart through the years, the Bible says our heart is desperately wicked. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I just tell you today that the thing that, that keeps me going and the thing that keeps me 
when I'm when I'm tempted to sin and and again I fall so many times uh, so many times I'm ashamed of it but the thing that helps me to constantly try to keep the temptation separated from my lust is understanding that the end result of that sin is death I thank God for the stensis name and I, I mean that. I'm not ashamed of that. I thank God that I have a mom and a dad that, that gave us a good heritage and, and, and the Stensus name has gone throughout the United States of America as, as a man who has dedicated himself to God and, and now all of his children are serving the Lord and as of this point, all of the grandchildren are having a desire to serve the Lord. Why would I mess that up? Why would I destroy that? Why would I destroy that name? Why would I destroy the relationship that I have with my wife? Why would I destroy the testimony that I have with my home church? Why would I bring shame upon the name of, my, uh, of Capital City Baptist Church or my pastor? Why would I do that? And, and the thing is, is, is just like my father used to say so many times, the, the problem is, is we don't think things through. The flesh wants instant gratification. The flesh wants to be pleased immediately. And so we don't think about the future. We don't think that, hey, uh, this lust, if I let it meet up with temptation, it's going to come together and it's going to conceive sin. And that sin, when it is finished, is going to produce death. We don't think things through. And how many of us sitting and listening to this podcast right now to go back to times in our life where we say, oh, dear God, I wish I could do that all over again. Oh, I wish I would not have made the same mistake. I wish that I had made different choices in life. But you can't change it. Death is death. You, you, you can't... You can't take, I mean, yes, you can, try to, you can try to fix it. You can try to restore a testimony. You can try to do better. But the memory of that sin, the memory of what we did, the memory of how we failed continues to live long in the minds and hearts of people for as long as we go. That is why it is essential. That is why it is so important. That if you and I have a desire to always abound in the work of the Lord, we've got to understand that we serve a holy God that hates sin. And you and I have got to understand, we, we cannot be ignorant about this. We have to understand where does sin come from. Sin comes from my lust getting together with Satan's temptation and conceiving sin. So my job every day of my life is to keep my lust dead, to keep my lust mortified, to die daily so that my lust has no chance of even getting near the temptation. And the good news is that if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a promise. I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I'm walking in the Spirit, if I'm allowing the Spirit of God to lead me, if I'm allowing myself daily to be filled with the Spirit of God, being obedient to the Spirit of God, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh.
Well, I hope and pray that this has been a challenge to you. The Bible says there in that final verse that we read, Do not err, my beloved brethren. This was a, this was a problem that James is addressing. A problem of blaming everybody else. A problem of blaming God. A problem perhaps of blaming Satan. But he says, don't err. He says, I want you to remind this is why you do what you do. You do it because of your lust. And if you're not careful, that lust that you've allowed to join together with Satan's temptation, it will produce sin and it will bring destruction. It will bring destruction. What a challenge for us from the book of James. Again, this book is about practical Christianity. Practical, everyday, living for God Christianity. And as we strive in our daily effort to live for God and to always abound in the work of the Lord, we also have to remind ourselves we cannot be blind to, to our lust. We cannot be blind to the old man. We have to understand it's still there. And so every day, I have to consciously destroy. I've got to consciously kill the old man so that I can walk in the Spirit of God. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, just recently, I uh, had a couple of uh, friends of mine, uh, Brother Gamus and Brother Foster, uh, here, members of Capital City Baptist Church, heard about the podcast and started listening and uh, had some very encouraging words. I want to thank the Lord for them. Thank you so much. I, I get comments and emails and uh, financial support uh, for the podcast, and, and thank you so much for that. And again, uh, my desire is not just to do this just to have something to do, but my desire is to do this so that I may encourage you to always abound in the work of the Lord. Every day, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. I believe it's right around the corner. And you and I need to be doing more. We cannot be settling for average. We cannot be settling for the status quo. We've got to every day always abound in the work of the Lord. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day, whether you're listening to this in your car, in your home, uh, on your phone, on your computer, wherever it might be. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your day. Let me know you're listening and uh, let me know if I can be of a help and a blessing to you. Maybe you have a question, something that uh, maybe I've said that you would like me to clarify or uh, spend a little more time on. I would love to be able to help you out as well. If you've not done so already, let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Again, just go to whatever podcast platform that you might use and uh, just simply type in Always Abounding or type in my name, Keith Stensis, and uh, you should be able to find the podcast with no problem. Every Friday, we upload a new podcast and uh, that we may encourage you to always abound in the work of the Lord. Don't forget the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God bless you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, I hope and pray that you have a wonderful day in the Lord. We want to thank you for listening today. We trust that this podcast was an encouragement to you to always abound in the work of the Lord. For more information about your host, 
or simply contact us. Visit kstensisfamily.com.